is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. From the Dealer News Today headquarters, here's your host, Dave Canton with Andrew Cherkasky. Dave, good afternoon. How are you? Andy, doing well, just getting a little restless like the rest of the country. Oh, I know you are. You definitely are. And I have myself been a little less restless. Um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable. I'm happy. I don't want Corona. Um, I'm not ready. We've been talking about this a lot over the last couple of days, haven't we? You know, Andy, I think you've already had it, as we've discussed many times. You might have been <laughs> this a This is carrier. one of your arguments. You must, I think you were the carrier that gave it to me yeah, I was weeks in, so ago. So I was in Japan in December, and I got sick. I had a fever um, that was pretty high, and I ultimately had to go on a nebulizer. And then over New Year's, Dave was in St. Bart's, and he got terribly ill, fever, rash, all that. And his stepdaughter actually got it as well thereafter. So, And here's the best part. We come home, and my wife literally quarantines all of us, including Andy. She was literally abusing us all every day. Oh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Before she, we even knew about her. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So Dave's uh, recent argument has been, I've already gotten it, um, but the science out there says that may not make you immune. So um, you're restless. The country's restless. The governor of Texas, is, I think, stated yesterday or today that he's not going to extend the uh, the stay-at-home order. Uh, a lot of other states are doing something similar, even though they haven't hit that 14 days that the White House uh, talked about. A lot of people anxious to get uh, reopened, including my mother-in-law. And whenever she tells me she's anxious, I got to listen to that. Here's the bottom line, Andy. I mean, the, the, the world or the United States has been facing and battling this pandemic since March 11th. That was the beginning of the shutdowns, March 11th. We're right around the corner to two months of these stay-at-home orders, you know, living within, you know, your home. Look, you live a life where you work and live out of your home. Yeah, I'm basically right? always you're, you're always home. So you're yeah. not getting in your car every morning, driving to an office. You know, you're living the same life almost, just about. Well, it, right? yeah, and it makes it more comfortable. Yeah. I'm not spending uh, money so now, on going out exactly. and all that sort of Think stuff. Think about the rest of the world, including yeah. myself, that's used to always being on the go. It's a major change in life. Now, I'm not saying we jeopardize anyone's safety or health over it. But there does come a time that we need to get back to, I don't want to say reality, but we got to get back to life. We well, got to get back to being on the go, utilizing every precaution and safety measure possible. I'm going to talk more about the public health implications and the public health experts' opinions in just a moment. But before I do, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by DCG Capital. DCG Capital's lender relationships can provide new car dealers with working capital loans, floor plan financing, mortgage loans, and other reduced interest rate financing at historically low rates. Contact DCG Capital at DaveCantonGroup.com. You know, here's my criticism of the public health officials, because we have been so complimentary, and they are working so hard, and they're such an important function in our society right now in helping us get through this. Sometimes the concern is that the public health officials do this for a living in that they are trying to perpetually protect us from things that we will naturally get. And that is their job. Right. Let's face it. That's what they get paid to So they to want do. to shut down for as long as possible, theoretically, so that the 
so that it doesn't spread. Yes, that that would do it. We could think stay about, shut think for six about months, it like 12 this, months. Andy, the only one, the, the people that are going to get the backlash are the ones that will allow, it, allow exactly. the uh, states to open if something happens. But if nothing happens and we do reopen, they're all going to look like heroes. At the end of the day, Okay, we still need to to protect the health of the economy. And we're going on, you know, we're we're literally around a corner from two months of these stay-in-home orders. We need to figure out how to get everyone back to work, back to some sort of a new normal life to allowing people to go out and, and be productive. You know, I'm hearing today more than ever, you know, there's so many hotlines out there for people that are, you know, getting depressed and people that are falling into these different places that they've never been in life. We got to protect the people as well. Yeah, and and I, part of safety is protecting the mental health of everyone as well. I, I hear your argument. I don't disagree with it in, in totality. I, here's my perspective. I don't think we're quite ready for it. I think that it is still a uh, an uncontrolled pandemic. We don't have the testing. We don't have the resources to figure out who's got it and to, to keep those who have it away from others. So I'm not there yet. And I'll say this, even when, when we get there 30, 60 days from now, my prediction is that our society will forever be changed. There is not a going back to normal. There's not a reopening the economy. There are going to be those who survive and those who don't. And it's all going to be based on you know, whether Andy, or not they adapt get, to the new normal. Before we carry on with the show, some of the things that I do think about all the time are some of these states that have been able to control this pandemic and still operate functionally. You look at California, 40 million people. As of today, there's 46,000 cases and 1,800 deaths. I mean, that's pretty fair at a 4% fatality rate when right, when right now the U.S. is at a 5.8. Then you look at states like Nevada. I mean, I was looking this morning, Nevada has 4,900 positive cases and 229 fatalities. You know, it can happen. It's just got to be done carefully. People have to go out protected. Masks, gloves, they got to use, you know, they got to they, they prowl up when they get in and out of their car. They got to social distance. Stay six feet away from people. And if you do that, we could go back to some sort of reopening the economy and getting back to some sort of a state of mind of where this could somewhat be behind us. Well, I love this conversation. I'm sure we'll continue it off the air uh, as we did yesterday for, for hours on end. Um, but Today, we have a very exciting show. We have, again, Dave, I just, I've got to, I have got to pat you on the back because the guests that you line up are absolutely incredible. Tell us who you got today. Look, today's guest is extremely important because Andy, our focus now more than ever is post coronavirus, post COVID-19. We got to start thinking of the future and how we're going to adapt and create the most success for our businesses out there. And our guest today, Dale Pollock, Dale is the executive vice president at Cox, the founder of B Auto, okay, which is a tool that just about every car dealership utilizes on a day-to-day -day basis. This is a tool that today is more important than ever because it tells us how many vehicles within your market there are based upon the, the, the vehicle you're trading in, uh, this, the, the saturation of that vehicle, and it helps guide you on the correct value when you're taking that vehicle in on trade, and also what your vehicles are worth that you have on your lot today, which is probably one of our greatest concerns. I got a few quotes here from Dale that I'm going to go over once we bring him on. Can't wait. Well, let's get him on now. Ladies and gentlemen, with us this afternoon, we have Dale Pollock, Cox Automotive Executive Vice President and the founder of V Auto. Dale, good afternoon. How are you today? Uh, very well. Good to be with you, Dave. It's great to be with you, Dale, and, and we hope everyone in your camp is doing, is, is doing great and, and remaining healthy throughout this time. 
Dale, we want to get right to it. I'm looking at a automotive news uh, publication uh, the, just this past week that you were in. And, you know, obviously, uh, it's, you know, we're hearing from the dealers of what they're trying to do to move past or get through this pandemic and create the, the greatest health for their business. You know, V Auto is an incredible tool. You know, Andy was actually and, and actually asking yeah, let, me, let, let me let me jump in here for a second because I, I'm an attorney in the industry. I understand the industry pretty well. A lot of our listener base are professionals in our industry who maybe aren't as familiar as dealers and other executives are with V Auto. Can you give us a little bit of an explanation as to what V Auto is as the founder of it? Right. Well, thank you. Uh, v Auto is essentially two things. First and foremost, it is a, a method of used and new vehicle management. Um, I founded the company on a particular philosophy of used car management called Velocity Management, which at the time in the uh, early 2000s was a challenger uh, approach to used vehicle uh, inventory pricing and stocking. And over the years, it has become mainstream. And in the last year and a half, um, I have actually disavowed the velocity method of management, the the system upon which we built our company and I built my reputation, disavowed it in favor of a different approach. And it's not because velocity management was wrong. It wasn't. It was accredited to helping many people become very successful. It's just that the environment changed. And as environment changes, all of us have to be prepared to change. But in addition to the methodology, the original one being velocity, the more recent one being profit time, uh, it's software. It's software that dealers use to run their used vehicle departments, which at its core is inventory and pricing uh, and stocking optimization and, and merchandising tools. So it's it's software, but uh, but at its essence, it's a method of management. Now, Dale, we understand. Obviously, there could be major delays with the 2021 product hitting dealerships. You know, and and you know, nobody knows. It could be six months away. It could be nine months away. We're unsure. Yeah, we were just talking to Andrew Frick from from uh, Ford Ford on that. Based upon when the plants finally open, when they get back up to to speed, okay, with all the safety requirements. You know, this is now more than ever a time to really do some serious inventory control. And I see here how you're saying that, you know, the pressure is on these one to three-year-old used cars and what was hot merchandise 45 days ago now perhaps could be the greatest risk merchandise. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. I mean, everyone who understands the uh, automobile business understands that um, in order to have uh, success with new vehicles, you a dealership has to have a liquid and and transactable used car market. So the problem, the biggest challenge that is being experienced in the wholesale retail industry automotive today is the oversupply of late model used cars. These are essentially one, two, and three-year-old lease returns and commercial vehicles, for perhaps from rental car companies. There is an oversupply of those vehicles right now in the wholesale market. And presently, due to the crisis, there is uh, not much demand. So just general principles of economics would say that when you have a high supply and low demand, 
uh, you have a deflationary price environment. And while that might not sound too bad, prices falling on late model used vehicles, it's actually terrible for the industry. It will do a lot of harm. It will um, cause assets that are on corporate balance sheets to be worth less than their stated value. It will depress residual values for many years to come, which will make it harder to sell new vehicles in the future. And it will add uh, additional negative equity uh, to uh, consumers' trade-ins. So across the board, the oversupply and under-demand of late model used cars is a serious issue. So let me ask this, and, and forgive my ignorance, but is it how, how does the supply chain effectively get so um, impacted by this where it, right now are used cars still getting turned in? Didn't the, didn't the industry just kind of stop it, where certainly there are cars sitting on the lot, but there aren't uh, new cars being t- or old cars being turned in or new cars being purchased? Doesn't that just kind of put it all on on pause? And second part of that is what do dealers do with this information? Right. Well, the supply of primarily late model one, two, and three-year-old vehicles uh, over the course of the past month and a half has grown considerably, A, because there's little demand, there's not many sales of these vehicles at the auction, but the reason that the supply is growing is that two, three years ago, we did a lot of leasing, and if you think about it, the prime new car time of the year tends to be in the spring and summertime. So these are vehicles that were coming off lease that were originated uh, two, three years ago. So they're coming off lease and dealers don't have an appetite to buy them when they're not uh, selling vehicles. So they end up back at the auction. And then the other uh, big contributor to this uh, pool of, of vehicles are rent-a-car companies. When, when people aren't traveling for business or leisure uh, at a time of the year when the rental car companies uh, expected that they would be, these companies have way too many vehicles on their balance sheet that are being underutilized. So what do they do? They send them to auction. And, and that's why we that's why we have the big supply. And then the second half of your question, I think, is, uh, you know, what do dealers do with this? Information? What do we do with this data? Because, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. What, what do we do with it now that we know that this is, is the truth? Right. We recognize the implications of having high supply, low demand of vehicles at auction that resemble the types of vehicles that dealers themselves have on their lots. So more specifically, what we've seen is that the value of those vehicles at auction and, and their, their, you know, their, their lookalikes sitting on dealers' lots, the value of those vehicles has fallen. Uh, nobody knows exactly how much, but best estimates at the current moment is uh, around 12%. Wow. So what do they do with the information? They recognize, hopefully, that they have inventory, dealers I'm talking about now have inventory on their lots and on their books that are overstated in value. And the market value, the wholesale market value has come down. So the advice or recommendation that I give dealers is to get out of that high cost basis inventory as quickly as possible for two reasons. Number one, so they can convert those cars to cash, first and foremost for survival, because in any uh, economic crisis, uh, cash is king. Um, you know they're going to need cash to endure the, uh, the the down cycle, and and secondarily, the good advice to um, convert their cars into cash uh, supports the opportunity to go back to the wholesale market and repurchase inventory at the lower cost basis. 
So first and foremost, it's a survival strategy that they use this information for. And secondarily, it's to reset the cost of their inventory so that they can sell cars and actually make money in the future. So Dale, just to be clear, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm taking this again from something that you quoted. I mean, more likely dealers that, you know, pretty quickly, typically taken a 90 day inventory and turned it into, I mean, they literally lost their inventory in a matter of three weeks. So what you're saying is instead of writing down the value of the used cars, get out of them, wholesale them, take them to the auction, whatever you got to do, discount them online, sell them, whatever you got to do to get rid of them as quick as possible, and then replenish your inventory based upon values of what the cars you could purchase at today. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And the reason that that liquidation strategy is preferable to write down is you can write them down all day long, but that doesn't convert uh, uh, a vehicle to cash. And having cash in a down crisis like this one is uh, extremely important for survival. So if if you're not going to liquidate them, the second best option is certainly to write them down. But the liquidation option is uh, preferable to write down. You know, Dale, that makes per you know it may, it makes so much sense. I was a dealer for 16 years, and we would sell you know 500 new a month and 200 used a month. And your used car inventory is really you know it carries you most of your profitability. It's key to succeed in the automotive industry, making sure that that inventory, I mean, I remember, you know, my used car manager, day 61, that car is gone. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how nice it looks, how clean it appears, 61, it's gone. And you really got to be disciplined. But today you got to be disciplined more than ever to control your new and used car inventories to ensure that you're setting up the most success and cash, as you say, because cash is king, to your point. You need cash to succeed and achieve your goal and survive. Today. And survive. Exactly. So it, it, we've been talking to Dale Pollock, the uh, executive vice president, Cox Autom uh, Automotive, um, the founder of V Auto. Uh, Dale, you know, I want to put a plug in. Um, you have a, uh, a a webcast and you have an open letter to dealers that you can find through vauto.com. Um, it's extremely informative. It's uh, it's lengthy. Uh, I appreciate that. We're, we're a lot shorter in form here. Um, and so I, I just wanted to put that out there for our listeners who are interested in this and a much deeper dive that that resource is out there for them. Here's a, a kind of a, a shifting question for you. You know, the future is near and we don't know when that's going to be. If it's going to be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days before we had you on the show today, Dave and I are debating the degree of, are we just going to kind of go back to normal or is there going to be a totally new normal? Can you give us a, and you obviously have a, a, a very strong economic uh, uh, base and, and knowledge. What's your prediction of what we're looking at in kind of that three, six, 12 month range? What do you see for the industry? Right. Well, first of all, I don't think that uh, I don't think that anybody can really very uh, successfully predict the future in this crisis because there are so many different variables. Um, we have a, a sociological uh, problem in the world right now, and that essentially is fear uh, driven by uh, fear of infection. We, we have a growing economic problem and we also have uh, an uncertain uh, governmental uh, policy re response environment. So you got a lot of moving pieces going on at the same time. Sounds like the, and, the beginnings I, of a PhD thesis. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is almost a perfect storm with winds blowing at high rates in, in 
you know, in every different direction. So it's really difficult to know where we're all going to end up. I, I think that there are just a few things that we can point to. Uh, first of all, in, in the very near term, like at the moment, there is a surge in sales. And that seems really, vehicle sales I'm talking about, that seems really counterintuitive because uh, people are still pretty much sheltered in place. Um, they're starting to come out, but pretty much sheltered in place. And, uh, and yet car sales are coming back in a really strong way. I fear that too many people perceive that as an early sign of what might be referred to as a V-shaped recovery. I don't think it's that at all. There might be a little bit of, of that where people are coming out of their bunkers, but I think it's stimulus driven, primarily due to the fact that 120 Americans in the last two weeks got a check from the government between 12 and $2,400. That's down payment money. And 7% of people admitted they were going to buy a car with it. Well, 7% of 120 million is about eight and a half million people. So believe it or not, they're actually out buying cars in this scary moment. My concern is that that uplift that we're now seeing in sales can be confused with a general recovery. I think it's stimulus-based, as I said. So where we, I fear, where I fear we could be in the fall, if you do the math, you know, all the people, 30 million or close to 30 million people, perhaps 20% unemployment, these are depressionary levels that we haven't seen since the 1930s. If you do the math on that, those people will get unemployment benefits for 16 weeks. Those unemployment benefits will run out in, in late summer, early fall. The one-time stimulus money may have been uh, spent already. So I fear that, that we could have a little bump right now and find ourselves in the fall in, in six months or so uh, in a very economically uh, depressed environment. And I hope I'm wrong. Um, maybe things will come back faster, but I just don't think that, that 25 to 30 million people are going to get called back to work immediately, nor do I think that they're going to recover from getting behind on their bills immediately. So I, I think you can't have uh, unemployment at that level without experiencing some pain. So we will come out of this, but I, I believe it's going to be uh, perhaps 18, 24 months and maybe even longer. This is going to be one of the deepest recessions that are uh, that any of us in our lifetime, I believe, will have ever seen. And, uh, you know, it's not that I don't want to believe it. It's just hard to believe we're going to bounce back to anything that looks like normal anytime soon. Dale, very well said. And I think Andy and I both agree with you. Look, this infusion of stimulus funds obviously is creating this short-term surge, just like we saw in 0809 with the Cash for Clunker program. You know, that surge that was put out there to create all these old cars coming off the road, which was an incredible opportunity for dealers to clean their inventories and, and for people to trade in their new cars. So at the end of the day, you know, we do agree with you. Obviously, the automotive industry is still the greatest industry to operate in, you know, filled with the most resilient individuals, executives, CEOs uh, there are in the entire world. Dale Pollack. No doubt. Dale Pollack, executive vice president, Cox, founder of B Auto. We cannot thank you for taking your time out of your day today and hopping on to the DNT show. Thank you so much, Dale. Stay healthy and thank stay you. safe. Pleasure to be with you, Dave. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, Dale.
you know what what an impressive interview with Dale. Um, the the thing that takes that kind of strikes me it, it's twofold. Number one, he has a very academic approach to this. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've got different types of leaders. Some uh, lean hev- more heavily into kind of an academic knowledge of of economics, and I definitely was feeling that from him. You know, we are now doing on the show, I think, a very fair job of presenting two different camps. We have leaders, uh, executives who are coming on the show and presenting. A, a very positive outlook, a, a very um, a very flowery look at are we going to see a huge bump in sales as we return to normal? And we've got many people who who predict that. We also have some who are who are a lot more doom and gloom. I don't want to say that Dale is doom and gloom, but he certainly has some very valid points that are being made there. Andy, what it boils down to is you have two areas of focus that we're leaning towards. One is the data focus, right? Where analy- you know, people are you know, taking the information that we're hearing on the show from analytical data. And you said before the show, data is king. Yep. Right, data is worth the money today. It's all the I value in the world. I always love when we have people on the yeah, show. I mean, and and Dale, Dale's data driven. He's going off the data, and here, here's what he's saying. And he's right in a lot of areas. He's right, but nobody can predict the future. Then you have the operators, the dealers, the executives, the CEOs that operate 20, 30, 40, 200 car dealerships that get on here, and in the worst time. They create their own economy within the four walls of their car dealership because the automotive industry, as I always say, is filled with the most resilient individuals that are just loaded with tenacity and the fight to get through whatever it takes to get to the other side. And that's exactly what we got here. Ladies and gentlemen, stay healthy and stay safe. Until next time, this is Dealer News Today.